Recording live from the Lucky Number 7 Lounge in the basement of Dine, Drink, Travel World Headquarters in the barren wastelands of far west Texas, this is Dine, Drink, Vegas, the podcast by and for everybody stuck at home, but who would rather be in the land of neon lights and bad decisions. I'm your host, John, a.k.a. The Baller on a Budget, and in episode number 22, we're going to be courting the Queen of Hearts. We're going to give you all of the latest Vegas news, or at least the stuff we cared about. We're going to talk to you about places you may or may not want to take your sweetie if you happen to be in town for uh, Valentine's Day or any other romantic interlude. And of course, we're going to get to the drink of the day. But before we do any of that, it is time to bring in the founder of Dine Drink Travel himself, the leader in the luxury lounge, the king of comps, the high roller of the high plains, the man who is always waiting for the limo to carry him away to a luxury resort or an irish pub it's bill hey bill how are you john i'm good other than i didn't time that intro very well and we ran out of bumper music you know what i bet our listeners are going to forgive us i think they will i mean there's only seven of them they seem like nice people you know we got up to eight last week it's fine yay us all right when we get to a dozen we party um now do we count our family members in that um sure uh, yeah, because yeah, that's pretty much our wives because our kids aren't listening. Well, actually, no, your firstborn does. My children refuse. Uh, my child likes to judge me for all of the bad choices I make. It's fine. As well he should. Yeah. Speaking of bad choices, let's talk about our beverage. So we've, we were a little experimental with a lot of Angostura. So this week I decided to uh, just give a spin on one of your favorite drinks. So you are a huge fan of Manhattans. That's a fair statement. That is, in fact, a fair statement. So I ran across several recipes for a tequila-based Manhattan. I'm going to read the ingredient list really quick, and then we'll circle back and we'll talk about some nuances you and I gave to our individual ones. So the basic rundown here is two ounces of an aged tequila. Most recipes will say reposado. You can do añejo, and we'll get to your choice in a minute. Uh, An ounce of sweet vermouth. Again, you have a lot of options there. And then it says two dashes of bitters. I always go heavy with whatever bitters I I use. Uh, And there were some differences on different recipes about different types of bitters. A lot of places said orange bitters. A few said chocolate bitters. And there's even mole bitters out there, but we don't have that. And then garnish ideas could be a lime twist, an orange wedge, or a cocktail cherry. So, Bill, let's start with the tequila you picked that we both used. So, we use Centenario. There are a couple of tequilas that are slightly better, but those are not things that I pour in mixed drinks, right? Centenario is a phenomenal tequila. I learned to love it when I lived in Mexico about 20 years ago. We use the Añejo, so we use the slightly more aged tequila But it's a totally affordable tequila. It normally the añejo will cost you something like thirty bucks. The reposado will cost I don't know three or four bucks less than that, depending on what liquor shop you happen to be at. So we used a super aged tequila, and we used a very good one, but not off of the absolute top shelf because there's no point using something off the absolute top shelf if you're going to put that much vermouth and bitters and other things in it, right? Like that's, that's just not the right go-to, but no Centenario is a phenomenal tequila. Yeah. And, and I'm really enjoying this. It is unusual. It does still read like a Manhattan, although you definitely know the tequila is there. Let's talk about bitters choices. So because we're creeping up on Valentine's day, I decided to go with the uh, Aztec chocolate bitters. I believe it was Fee Brothers that you had on hand. I think it was. Yeah, I've yeah. got 
I've got a few different things depending on which flavor of bitters you're talking about. But this was the Fee Aztec. Because you've also got the uh, Angostura chocolate. But this was the Fee Aztec bitter. So it's got some of those spices in there. I will say you definitely... And I also used a cherry, uh, a cocktail cherry with a little bit of the juice from the jar in there to sweeten it up a bit. And I got to say, you really do, when you use the chocolate bitters in here with the sort of chocolatey notes and the sweet vermouth anyway... Uh, you really do get that chocolatey mouthfeel and the cherry in there. Uh, it's like a cherry cordial, but not those overly sweet Queen Anne ones that you know you might buy for your grandma at okay. Walgreens. But back up for a second, because you've got in that drink, you've got four different things I like, right? Like you've got the amarena cherry, you've got the really good tequila, you've got the sweet red vermouth, and you've got the chocolate bitter. So individually, I like all four of those ingredients. How did it work when those four things came together? Because I, in my mind, I'm not making it work. No, it actually, it really does work out pretty well because the Añejo tequila has a slight hint of vanilla. You definitely get some spiciness, but that, you know, kind of vegetal grassy nature of tequila is really covered up by the chocolate and cherry combination. Um, in a way, it, it, it's, it, it, it's not that far off from a, a rye whiskey with the same bitters and and cherry combination because rye kind of has a chocolatey lend to it uh it plays really nicely together i mean this is as far from a margarita as you can get yeah no this is this is fans when you're listening to this and you're hearing us talk about tequila yeah don't think about margarita at all that that is not what this is i would say that i think a a really smoky mezcal would also be really lovely with this uh and again it, it you know you tend to do your manhattans with a bourbon rather than a rye whiskey and even some of the bourbons you pull have a high rye content but nowhere near 51 or more percent uh this really like it's it has everything i like about a rye based manhattan it's just dialed back a bit and it's slightly funky from the tequila and it works surprisingly well but you went with a different bitters choice so let's talk about how that played out so i went with orange bitters and partially that's just because i like orange right like it's probably my my favorite overall flavor the other reason is i'm still struggling to and i haven't tasted john's drink um I'm still struggling to imagine how well the chocolate w- would work out, but I th- I know that the orange goes well in a Manhattan, yeah. and I know that the orange goes well with tequila. Like quite frequently, when I'm pouring my wife a glass of tequila, because it turns out you need tequila to like be in a household with me for very long. Um, I'll, I'll just put splashes of orange bitters in there, and it turns out that the orange married the two things pretty well. Now, I also put in an amarena cherry. I'm not picking up a lot of those notes. Like, that's totally getting swamped by the other three ingredients in this drink. And I did shake it for quite a while with ice. So that diluted it some and chilled it. And I think I like this a lot better chilled and, frankly, just very slightly watered down from the drink that I originally poured. Now, when I'm making a Manhattan, I do it a little different than you. Normally, I do a three-to-one ratio instead of a two-to-one ratio. But here... I honored the recipe. I went with the two to one and I think I like it, right? Like I'm still, I'm still trying to get my head around what I'm drinking because this is a fundamentally new thing from anything that I've ever tried before. But I think I like this. I'm pretty sure though. I like it better with orange than I would with, with the chocolate. Well, here, I want you to actually try this. So hopefully I won't get cooties. Yeah. All right. So folks, I had been under the weather earlier in the week. Um, and for once in my life, I was trying to do a kind and considerate thing and I'm about to try John's drink. 
Yeah, I was right. That doesn't work. I, yeah, I, I don't like that drink. I fundamentally disagree. I think this works beautifully. You disagree? You think I do like that drink? No, I disagree that it doesn't work. It may <laughs> not work for you. It does, in fact, work. But we do things very differently, you and I. We do. And there are a lot of drinks where I like chocolate bitters. Um, I don't know. I guess I've just got a pretty limited range. Like, I drink quite a, quite a bit of tequila, but I'll put in an orange bitter. I'll put in a grapefruit bitter. I'll put in something like that. I'm still trying to get my head around the chocolate. Chocolate to me is something that I might put in a whiskey drink, but mostly what I'm going to do is put it in a vodka drink. Like if my wife wants a chocolate martini but doesn't want a super syrupy one or something like that, that's when I tend to use my chocolate bitters. Well, I would point out that uh, agave and cacao have gone together uh, since before people who look like you and me began marauding the world and, and the search of spices that people in England no longer use. Uh, so I, I, I do think I'm onto something there, but you know, you and I have a different take on that. Speaking of, can I make one last point about this drink because it, it is high moral ground for me that I want to share with my listeners? Well, I can't stop you from making a good moral point on a podcast about Vegas. Uh, absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't use Jose Cuervo. It's not really tequila. It's not 100% agave. It's you, you want no, just no to the Cuervo. Just just don't do it. Even and, yeah. just no is and I, what. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, granted, they're, they're, the high-end tequila snobs would look down on, on us for Centenario because Centenario, as far as I know, is not part of any of the non-additives coalitions, and you now have all these vetting organizations for tequila uh, I think it's a great tequila, but yeah, don't do not buy Jose Cuervo. And for the love of God, do not buy Pepe Lopez. And for the love of God, do not buy the store brand. So I got my first bottle of Centenario for Christmas 2004 from the Mexican Foreign Ministry. It's a long story, but if the Mexican Foreign Ministry is handing it out as a gift, then it's a real tequila and it is delicious. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I like I like Centenario quite a bit. My wife and I, uh, very frequently, it's in the rotation, although we've got Lalo at home right now. and that It was high-end, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. All right, but getting to today's conversation. So uh, as we record, the Super Bowl is tomorrow. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that, because most of you won't listen to this between now and then. Uh, but Valentine's Day is coming up later this week, and that got us thinking. Uh, we very often go to Vegas without our wives. Uh, I think they enjoy the solitude or the chance not to put up with us. But we've both been able to take our wives to Vegas on, on several occasions. And with Valentine's Day coming up, I thought we could share some of our good idea, bad idea. If you are taking your significant other to Las Vegas for Valentine's Day or, you know, any other thing that might be slightly romantical to you and yours and let's start with good ideas bill what would you say are some good ideas for valentine's day so one of the things that vegas is phenomenally good at is rooftop bars so if you've got somebody that you want to impress whether it's a romantic other or for that matter whether it's just a business partner but certainly if i was to take my wife the next time i take her I'm going to pick a rooftop bar, and it almost doesn't matter which one it is. It really doesn't because they've all got gorgeous views. If you go onto the Dine Drink Vegas, Dine Drink Vegas YouTube channel, I've got reviews of like a dozen different rooftop bars. Pick one. They'll all have lovely cocktails. They'll all have a great atmosphere. Oddly, the atmosphere is not that different from one place to the next. Um, but really what it is is the killer views, and... 
I mean, it's something besides just the food and drink, right? Is what's going to make the romantic occasion. So I would pick a rooftop bar. John, have you ever been to any of the the rooftop bars in Vegas? Because I've been to like a dozen. You must have been there for some of those trips. Yeah. So uh, the 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 one that really stands out for me that was truly a rooftop rooftop experience is the the Foundation Club. It's a Foundation Club, right? Or Legacy Club? What is it at Circa? Uh, the Legacy Club. Legacy Club. Excuse me. The Foundation Rooms the other end. That's that's Mandalay, which. I know you've been to. So yeah, uh did the the Legacy Club. That was great. Um yeah, I mean it 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 really is beautiful. I think I think the thing I like better than sitting on a rooftop though and you still get the view and the drinks. I kind of like that bar car on the high roller, not for a romantic thing cuz then you're on there. That's better with a group. I had a bad yeah. experience. We're not going to discuss said bad experience. I don't go on the high roller anymore. Yeah, I, I, I want to go again. My, my wife also had a bad experience, but that's a story we will not tell, uh, and that is okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I hear you on the rooftop bars. So in, in addition to or instead of a rooftop bar, it looks like there's a particular genre of restaurant you are recommending. Why don't you talk about your two restaurant recommendations? So my single favorite spot in Vegas is Le Cirque. Now, I will say the last trip to Le Cirque was a little bit of a disappointing experience because a waiter had called in sick at the last minute. They didn't quite have the staff to do to provide the service experience that you're paying for, but it was still delicious and it's still a beautiful space. And every time before that has been a high-end service experience. So here's the kind of place Le Cirque is. My waiter is normally a guy named Martin. And the fact that I know what my waiter's name is should tell you something. But there was one time I went in there, I guess it was Labor Day a year and a half ago now, I went into the Le Cirque bar to have a drink. I hadn't actually eaten there in like a year at that point. I wasn't eating there that night. I was just sitting at the bar with our buddy Mike, and Martin sees me from across the room and comes over and says hello, and he remembered my name, right? And then he just brought me a plate of chocolates and said, here at Le Cirque, we do things a little bit different. It is a beautiful space. Under normal circumstances, it is exquisitely good service. And it is absolutely about the romantic evening. For one thing, um, my wife and a lot of the ladies that I know, what they enjoy drinking is glasses of wine. You're going to get really good wine pairings at Le Cirque. So, yeah, I would I would recommend Le Cirque. And if you don't quite have, if you're going to do Le Cirque, please don't try to cheap out. Go ahead and, and you know just budget for it and do the multi-course tasting menu. But if you don't have the budget for that or if that's not what your wife wants, there's a place I haven't been to in a few years, but Lakov um, in the Wynn is phenomenal, and they tend to have a tapas sort of, of menu. They've also got a lot of really fantastic wine choices, so it's not that it's cheap. It's at the Wynn in Las Vegas, right? Like Cheap is not the sort of thing they're doing, but I'm looking at their menu right now. They've got also like you can you can custom do your meat and cheese plate um, with all sorts of high end things. They, like they've got a wagyu salami for eleven bucks that you can put on the meat and cheese plate, um, and it feels very much like a it feels to me like a date spot. Hence why you and I have never been there, right? Right. Yeah, and, um, and will not unless we're with our wives. Yeah. No. Fair enough. But it's that would be a good spot if you want to have what is distinctly a romantic sort of experience, but you don't want to. Um, you either don't want to spend the money or the person that you're with isn't into that high-end production or, heaven forfend, they just don't like French food. 
I would recommend Lacob. Like I'm, you know, I'm obviously not going to read the whole menu, right? But they've got things like, you know, you've got bites of sirloin steak or a Moroccan chicken skewer or a beaten burrata salad or some flatbreads or you know the meat and cheese plates. And critically, what they do really, really well is lots and lots of wine. Um, so yeah, I would recommend Lacov. But then again, when I plan trips to Vegas, I fundamentally plan those trips around the meals that I'm going to eat. So I can't help but think of a romantic event in ter- any terms other than the meals I'm going to eat. How about you, John? Like what what would you do for what's a good idea for a romantic trip to Vegas? So, and I I talked to my wife about this before I came over to record, and we kind of went through our trips together and what really stood out. In both of our minds. And my wife now, you know, we've been to Le Cirque and, and, and she is not a super high-end food person. Like she likes good food, but she doesn't necessarily, uh, okay, I'll, she's cheap. She can't, she can't, uh, she has a hard time letting go and enjoying a meal. So I think if we were dating, it, it might be different because then it's my money. But as a married couple, <laughs> it's it's our money. So while she while she really enjoyed Le Cirque and would go back if we planned for it, she would have a very hard time enjoying that and just being in the date moment because she would be thinking about that check. Even though I don't let her see it, she knows. Yeah, well, she she's she's got a master's degree. She can figure out the basic mathematical equations. Right. right. So so my wife has a has a different take on what makes her happy. Uh, so the, and the, somehow that's you, which I, none of us in our friend group understand. Go figure. So the biggest thing we landed on was Mayfair Supper Club at Bellagio, which again, it it's at Bellagio on the Strip. So like you said with uh, Lacov, it is not cheap, listeners. I, I don't mean to suggest it's cheap now. Compared to Le Cirque, it's a friggin' bargain, but it's not cheap. Uh, the food at Mayfair Supper Club is, is kind of old school supper club fare. It's kind of a throwback vibe. The uh, the but the big star of the show because the food's good. I'm not going to say otherwise. But but you're not mainly there for the meal, right? If it was purely a restaurant, I think Mayfair would get lost in the shuffle because there's just better food in Vegas at that price point or close to it. What makes Mayfair special is that they have live music and it is a mixture of old jazz standards and modern music performed by extremely talented musicians accompanied by extremely talented dancers the room is gorgeous i mean my goodness it's at the bellagio and there's huge bay windows opening out to the fountains so the lights the fountains the band the dancers the service is impeccable the cocktail menu is is amazing and it it's just it is a it, it is dinner and a show wrapped into one, which my wife and I, we really like that when we go on a trip without the big group, it's just she and I, at some point we're going to do dinner and a show. Uh, Mayfair is all that in one place, which we really do enjoy. Uh, so for, for us, that would be the big dining experience. But it's also an immersive thing, which is sort of a theme with what my wife and I really have enjoyed. The other thing that we we focused back on was our trip to Lost Spirits Distillery. Now, our friends Mike and Melissa went, and they didn't like it, and they were there on a particularly crowded night. So this may have some bearing in this. But my wife and I went on a night when they had a crowd, but it wasn't wall-to-wall people. You walk through this place, they have various rum drinks, you get samples, but you can also buy cocktails. There are vaudeville style acts that happen throughout the night. There are places that are a little bit more private. Every room 
is different, including the uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And they now have a dining experience there. And by the way, I would do that in a heartbeat. But it's just... It's just fun and playful, and um, you know, you just you just kind of think about that scene in Greece where they're going through the fun house at the fair at the end of the movie before the car takes them to heaven because they're probably it's probably a metaphor and they probably died on the beach, but that's a whole. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but anyway. Uh, Lost Spirits was an awful lot of fun for my wife and I, and if you want to extend that. It, you know, immersive experience. You can go next door to area uh, 51 and do all of that. And then the third one is an immersive art experience. So, and what do you like? Cause I'm looking at the run sheet there. What do you even mean by an immersive art experience? So um, at the top floor of the crystal shops between Aria and Cosmo, there is a gallery space up there. And when my wife and I went, they were doing a Van Gogh experience. And basically it's, high-end projectors and they're putting this art on the wall and it you sort of it's like you've gone into the artworks and now granted they've always got something in that space not all of it would be romantic necessarily like they've done disney shows they've done this they've done that but if you can catch monet or if you could catch van gogh or you can catch uh they 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 pair it with music it's beautiful you just sort of you just sort of sit there and hold hands and soak it in it's 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 really impressive but my wife pointed out that even if they don't have a show like that that you like or that you want to pay for or whatever or even if you're young lovers who are broke she pointed out that just walking through the botanical gardens at the Bellagio, walking through some of the botanical displays at the wind that Vegas has these beautiful things where you're you're in the moment with the person you're with, and there's a lot of beautiful things around you. Well, and, and at and, that point, yeah. the other people around you start to magically melt away, so right. that makes it work better. Yeah, so for her, she she's an experienced person on that end, uh, and, and we really found that those are the moments that they stick with us, they create memories. Uh, and, 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 and that was kind of our big takeaway. So Bill, we talked about some good ideas. We both point out some bad ideas. Let's go with yours first. Cause mine are attached to a story. So before I do that, I actually want to back up to our drink of the day for a second. I just pulled my Amarina cherry out of the, the tequila and that shouldn't have worked, but it did work. Right. Like that, just eating that Amarina cherry made our drink of the day altogether work better for me. So now I'm on the side of actually liking this drink. Now, still, I like it with the orange bitters and not with the chocolate bitters. But you know what? All right. You 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 win today, John. Um, in terms of bad ideas, and remember, these aren't universally bad ideas. These are just bad ideas for the particular context of a romantic evening in Vegas. The first thing, y'all don't go down to Fremont Street. It's a whole lot of fun. And it's absolutely where I go with guys. I've actually been to Fremont Street with my wife, and we've had a lot of fun there. Just not on a I'm trying to impress her or it's a romantic evening type setting. Can I clarify? Like you're not necessarily saying there's nothing in that area that, that could be romantic, but you are you meaning specifically don't walk the Fremont Street experience? Yeah, don't, don't walk the Fremont Street experience. And for that matter, like none of the hotels that are on the Fremont Street experience strike me is where I'm wanting to go for this particular evening. For one thing, there is a lot of marijuana smoke, or worse yet, people who think they're smoking marijuana, but actually have grandma's oregano or something like that. Yeah, the 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 fake CBD. And, you know, there's nuns and pasties. It's a weird vibe. Yeah, it is a super weird vibe. So again, folks, 
you did not hear me criticize Fremont Street. It is a lot of fun. We got a group of like half a dozen guys that I think are go- is going to Fremont Street this year on Labor Day for our big annual trip. Go to to Fremont Street, but y'all don't 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 walk the Fremont Street experience when you're trying to impress um your your romantic partner. That's it's a bad plan. The other thing I would do don't or not do right like a bad idea for for a Valentine's Day experience in Vegas. Don't schedule your flight out too early the next day because you're going to enjoy Vegas. You're going to stay up late, going to a show, doing whatever you do. You're probably going to have a few cocktails. And you don't want to be worried the whole evening about the fact that your alarm is set for 4 o'clock the next morning. Like I've had buddies who've gone to Vegas with me who scheduled the 6 a.m. flight out of Vegas, and you, you effectively lose the night before. And you really don't want to do that when you're there with um with with your significant other. Because <clears throat> yeah, you listed all the things that are going on that night. <clears throat> there might be other things you're hoping are going on that night, but not if you're up for the four a.m. flight. Um, I I'm I'm an old person. I have different goals and ambitions <laughs> in my life. Finally, they make a medication for that. You know, are we going to go into story time, John? No, no, I'm we're not. Ready no, to we're go not. Into story no, time. no, no. Let's move on. Let's hey, move on. What do you think about the wind buffet, let's John? Let's move okay. on, Bill. All right. <laughs> so, the last thing I wouldn't do, and again, it depends very much on the personality of your particular partner, but I probably wouldn't go to a steakhouse, and that's hard really, for me. yeah, that's hard for me to say because steakhouses are, I think, my favorite Vegas experience. I can't imagine going to Vegas without a steakhouse trip. I certainly can't imagine, John, scheduling a trip to Vegas with a group of people who wouldn't want to go to a steakhouse at all. Like, that's not a thing that you'd ever do, is it? Yeah, we, so the guys I'm going with in March, uh, the the other two guys I'm taking have just decided they would rather not do a steakhouse while we're there. Which, what, what are y'all doing instead? Like, how uh, do a group of dudes uh, not go to a steakhouse in Vegas? Apparently wings. They want wings. I'm on mission wings. Well, by the way, if anybody knows the best wings in Vegas, please, uh, at Dine Drink john on uh on on twitter x whatever uh hit me up with the best wing joint but yeah we're not going to be doing a steakhouse apparently uh but i find that interesting because my wife mentioned as her honorable mention oscars like i i I think but you're right it depends on on the person that you're interested in okay and is and the reason why it's not on my list because to me the steakhouse experience is very much the quintessential guy's trip to Vegas. I'm going to eat a big hunk of beef, and I'm going to drink a couple of glasses of whiskey, and there's nothing about that experience which makes me want to, you know, at the end of the meal, get up and be like, hey, baby, right? Like, it just, it doesn't work for me. So I would I would pick something else. Now, I would absolutely go to a steakhouse. I would absolutely take your romantic other to a steakhouse. Um, just not particularly for date night. I don't. I don't think that's what I do. So, uh, and I will say, there's a different art to this because when when we do the guys trip and we're at the steakhouse, it is it is you know it, it is Tim Allen home improvement, <laughs> right? Um, steakhouse with the wife. You know, we both get a cocktail before the meal comes. Uh, we're probably going to split a steak. Because she's going to pretend that she's just going to eat salads inside, but she's going to eat half my steak, and I know that when we go. And then we're going to split a dessert. And it's I be, just edited yeah. myself for the air, and you're so welcome. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, it, you know, I guess it does depend. It depends on who you're with, whether or not a steakhouse it qualifies as romantic. So I will maybe say my less- wife thinks Oscars counts. All right. So maybe the lesson there is. 
think through the particular person you're going to Vegas with and Indeed. think through the ambiance you're trying to to create. And again, if you want to know what the ambiance is like, if you go to our YouTube channel, if you go to the Dine Drink Vegas YouTube channel, we've got walkthroughs of most of the steakhouses in Vegas, so you can make an informed decision. Is that the right thing for you? I guess I've just got an image in my mind of what the steakhouse meal in Vegas is, and it's not a romantic evening with my wife. Yeah, and I get that, and I guess it just really does depend. Yeah. But how about you? What do you think is a bad idea for date night in Vegas, John? What would you not do on Valentine's Day? All of these are related to one another. So I I have to tell a story. So my wife and I on a trip, uh, which was the whole trip was a romantic getaway, but not every moment of that trip was meant to be pure romance. We decided we'd check out a comedy club because that's a thing that that throughout our marriage we've enjoyed catching stand-up comedy. And we were staying at the Venetian – well, at – technically at the palazzo but it was as covid was sort of winding in and out and so we had uh, a dinner reservation in the mgm grand and i don't remember which restaurant i think maybe crush um before the comedy show and all of that and i will say first of all that a comedy club is a lot of fun and my wife and i like going to the comedy club it's not particularly romantic and you always run the risk that either you or your date is going to become the attention of the comedian, which can really, you know, suck the fun out of the night, depending on how mean the comedian is, which don't get me wrong. I can laugh at myself and I can laugh at my wife and God knows she can laugh at me. So that's, that's not a bad experience unless you're trying to be romantic. Cause then it's really hard to be attracted to the person that the comedian just made fun of. And I could tell you a story about seeing the comedian who's now, I believe passed away named Etta May, who was hilarious at a comedy club in Lexington, Kentucky, back when I had a goatee and I will allow listeners to Google what she referred to men with goatees as it was not flattering. And it did put a halt to my love life for a few weeks. Cause my wife could not take me seriously as a human being after that. So the comedy club not the best plan for a romantic night for a number of reasons although it is fun but we uh we we couldn't get an uber taxis were scarce my wife has a mobility issue we wound up having to walk from palazzo to mgm grand and we we couldn't build in breaks because it was last minute we couldn't get a ride so make sure that you plan your evening well that you're not walking big distances on your day because you're going to walk a lot in vegas but that can suck the fun out of a date and then the biggest thing is by the time we got there we had missed our reservations there were no opportunities to 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 um to get a table at any place nice. So our meal was Nathan's hot dogs at the MGM grand food court. Folks, if you want a non-romantic night, just give your wife food poisoning with a bad Nathan's hot dog. Thank you. MGM food court. And just see how the night goes. Just have fun. Go with that. Yeah. Oh, so those are things that it's a hilarious story now, but that was not the romantic fun evening out that we had thought it was going to be. Don't do those things. No. Oh, 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 oh my. No. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who is going to remain nameless on this podcast who last night, um, brought taco bell home and that didn't work out for him nathan's hot dogs i guess it's a better option than taco bell but still just like no no yeah and no. we were desperate we were starving because we walked 90 miles from palazzo to park mgm on a cold night and yeah anyway and we'd sat through the comedy club because we couldn't get dinner before the show yeah anyway yeah just plan your night better and think through 
things in the experience that could go wrong because Murphy's Law kicks in. And again, if it's not a romantic night, that makes for fun stories. But if the aim of the night is to be romantic, think through your plan very carefully. Yeah, that's definitely not going to go the way. So do you have any other honorable mentions, Sean, for things that you should or should not do on Valentine's Day or any other romantic occasion in Vegas? I would say one more because it is Vegas. And so this is just a standard warning with anything special in Vegas, especially romantic. It is easy to overindulge in all things Vegas. But if you drink too much, uh, you're not going to have a lot of fun. If you gamble too much and you're the money to pay the bills for whatever you had planned, you know, so just um, Vegas is not known as a city of moderation. But when you when you're trying to make memories and have special occasions, moderate your choices in Vegas so that you can be present in the moment and really enjoy it and make memories. I think that's a big takeaway for those kind of night. other nights. Let the good times roll. Absolutely. So what's going on in Vegas news, John? So I picked up some news from the latest episode of On the Corner of Main Street podcast, which is better than our podcast. Please don't quit listening to us, but you should check that one out. Jonathan Jostle, the GM of the Plaza, broke a few news stories uh, surrounding food and beverage options inside the Plaza. So the McDonald's is out. They've taken down the wall between the new non-smoking gaming space and their little food court. And that's not only going to expand the non-smoking gaming space, uh, it's going to do two other things. Number one is going to allow them to change up the offerings in the food court. They're working on bringing in some better, a little bit more upscale. He referenced like the new Durango food court. You and I have been to the new Fremont food court, which I don't think fancy when I think the Fremont hotel uh, not that it's a bad place, but it's just not upscale. But that's a really nice food that's hall. That's a great food court. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Plaza is going to look to upgrade some food opportunities there. And they're hoping it'll also make that non-smoking gaming space feel a little more integrated into the property. Because he said that it is making money but that they haven't had the home run success with that that they kind of hoped for. So it's not going away, but he he did say that non-smoking venues don't seem to be the future of Vegas anytime soon. He's glad they offer the option for their visitors, uh, and it does allow them to partner with Brian Christopher Slots, who will not partner with a non-smoking venue. Um, Won't partner with a non-smoking one? uh, Won't partner with a smoking one, excuse me. Thank you. All right, yeah, caught me. So... Uh, the other thing he teased was a new show potentially coming to the plaza, and he referenced uh, Absinthe, which is by Spiegel Group, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, something like that. And I think having a premiere show in downtown would be good. There's not there's not a lot of shows downtown. You have live bands at There the, are a lot of shows downtown, but it's just always somebody who's 70 years old wearing pasties. What, what you, you, you get a lot of things to stare at yeah and you do have live music especially at the sand dollar which is at the plaza but having a true show downtown would be nice i don't know if that's going to go in the old showroom um or not uh and then he also talked about they've got some underutilized space at their property especially the greyhound bus stop and he teased that some kind of new dining venue may be going there and that's a pretty big space so what do you think bill uh how do you feel about plaza and are you looking forward to seeing their handiwork so i actually so when we make our next trip to downtown plaza is actually where i intend to stay I like gambling at Plaza. Um, Now, the other place with similarly good gambling odds is on the other end of the Fremont Street experience at the El Cortez. 
but you know that's just kind of it's it's a dark space at plaza is a, a a brighter space that i enjoy i'm looking forward to seeing what plaza does el cortez is what would happen if the golden girls opened a casino huh yeah, yeah just good analogy. Yeah. All right. Well, another Vegas news in a story that we've reported a whole lot of time, times because we keep talking about the Oakland A's and their move to Vegas, and it keeps not quite happening. John Fisher, the owner of the A's, keeps not having a specific plan for really basic stuff like what the design of the stadium is going to be. He doesn't have a plan for where they're going to play after their lease expires in Oakland at the end of 2024. Something smells rotten to me on this. Now, we know that to get the money from the Nevada legislature, they've got to go onto that one site where the Tropicana now sits. We know that the Tropicana has shut down operations or announced that they're going to in April. So we know that there's at least some confidence in this happening. But this is increasingly looking like a poorly thought out plan or, you know, in other words, just like you, every trip that you've ever taken to Vegas. Yeah, it, it is a mess. And for the sake of time, we're going to bust through some of these a little bit quicker. Uh, but yeah, the A's like it, we really don't have more news other than it's newsworthy that there's not more news. They need a plan. So Eater Vegas reports, by the way, uh, it's nice to see them actually report something, and they've had a down couple of years over at Eater Vegas, that after several years in legal limbo, good old number 22, Emmett Smith, uh, his steakhouse, Emmett's Vegas, which has been long delayed, is opening here in, in a few days during the month of February at Fashion Show Mall. Uh, Bill, any, any interest to go eat a steakhouse run by Emmett Smith? So... um. <clears throat> He was the last professional football player I cared about. Over the last 20, 25 years, I've been a college football fan, and I, man, I just don't watch a lot of pro football anymore. I watch college football obsessively. I don't watch a lot of pro football, so that's not a draw. I'm a little curious about the strategy of slapping a celebrity name on it, but you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. I actually think I'm going to go um, with the group of guys I'm going to Vegas with in March if I can get a reservation. Because it, I don't know, it seems like the sort of place to try, and it's absolutely something I want to talk about on on this podcast and on the YouTube channel. Yeah, it turns out I have one of those reservations, but I'm about to cancel it to go get chicken wings. Okay, the forum shops at Caesars has finally unblocked that annoying little blocked pathway that forced you to walk by some really bougie art stores as if anybody was buying a $5,000 vase while they were shopping there. So, Bill, have you ever found yourself annoyed at that blocked walkway? So how can I put this delicately when I know that my own child is likely to listen to this at some point? Most of the times when I happen to be walking through the forum shops at Caesars, there's somebody else many tables away from me has been drinking vodka, the fumes of which have gotten to me and thus have caused me to be incompletely aware of the finer details of my surroundings. Okay. So we'll take that to mean you didn't notice. All right, I, I did for, not. For no. everybody who did notice, it is a giant pain in the keister, and we rejoice that it's gone. Bill, talk to us about what's happening at Terminal 1. <clears throat> so I hate just waiting around in the mass mob that is the Vegas airport. So I always look for a lounge to go to. And one of the reasons that I hate flying Southwest out of Vegas, other than the fact that it's Southwest, is that there's not any sort of lounge to stay in. I've got reviews, again, on the YouTube channel um, of the ones which are closer to some of the other airlines. 
But Chase, there's going to be a Chase Sapphire Lounge later in 2024 going into Terminal 1. If you've got the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, you can get in. Sometimes you can get in arrangements with your priority pass. Um, it's going to go in Terminal 1 near the Seagates, and that's where a lot of the Southwest flights go. So that'll be a really good option if you need a quiet space to wait while you're waiting to get on your flight. Also, I inevitably wind up losing a few 20s into some slot machines because I'm just bored waiting for my flight. Be way cheaper to just go have the bartender pour me a cocktail for the road. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious since Chase also does the Southwest credit cards, whether Southwest credit card holders will get any access maybe at a at a cost or if I'm going to have to go open up a Chase Sapphire account, which I will do because I agree with you. Waiting around at Terminal C stinks. Uh, I think most of us who fly Southwest have sat there by that Burger King, bad barbecue, mediocre pizza little place. And uh, yeah, I welcome this. So uh, speaking of uh, things that may or may not be welcome, Caesars Palace is losing two more headliners. Britney Spears is already booked to move over to Park MGM at Dolby Live. And now it looks like J-Lo may follow suit at least according to Scott over at Vital Vegas, meaning that Caesars is losing headliners to what, in my mind, is the house that Lady Gaga built. Huh. So I don't spend a lot of time following the entertainment news in Vegas, but that is a lot of churn. Okay, well, I've got more entertainment news. So uh, as listeners may know, OPM at Cosmo closed. So we did a, we profiled a, Super Frico at Cosmo a few episodes ago. My wife and I went there. By the way, phenomenal pizza. And it's attached to a theater where Opium used to be. They've since shuttered that show. And one of the things I said at the time was that in hindsight, my wife and I wish we had seen the show along with dinner because the entertainers come through the dining space. They were cool and funky and fun, and we should have caught the show. Well, the show's now gone, so you could still eat at Super Frico, but you can't watch the show well now spiegel world is bringing uh something they're calling the disco show to the link and they're opening up a restaurant called diner ross or i guess Dina ross i don't know of uh, diana ross anyway clearly it's a 70s music joke so now they're going to give you that dinner and show combo over at the link that uh, super freako patrons may be missing and i would be into that because there are not a lot of times after dinner in vegas that i feel like going to a show but I would love it if there was a show just naturally incorporated in the dinner. So, yeah, that's the thing I do. Yeah, and I, I think it's worth going to the restaurant just for that. But I will say that as you know, when we highlighted things to do with your date, my wife likes experiential. She likes entertainment. She likes dinner and a show. So we missed out on getting to do Super Frico with OPM. We caught the food, but not the show. I suspect she and I go check this out when it opens. All right, Bill, one more a uh, big news story, and it's not Vegas related, but for anybody that's followed our Dine Drink Travel Channel, you will know that we both love cruising out of Galveston. News broke that Galveston is getting a fourth cruise pier. Any thoughts? Um, so I wish that there was more people in my house besides me who liked cruises. The thing that makes me a little bit sad is I love Galveston. I was thrilled for Galveston when there were a couple of active cruises every week because of what that did for the island in terms of tourism. I'm worried about the cruise industry swamping the island because Texas is God's quarter acre and Galveston is my favorite city in Texas. And I'm, gosh, that's a lot of cruises. 
but yeah, you know what? I'm going to get on the boat, right? As soon as I can convince almost anybody to go with me, I'm, I'm excited to see what all the options are. And frankly, that ought to make the prices better because prices out of Galveston had traditionally been fairly high because really most of the year you only had Royal Caribbean and Carnival. So as you get progressively more options on progressively larger ships, I mean, you know, supply and demand is a thing that ought to drive prices down. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I am too. I, I really, uh, as much as I love Vegas as my primary vacation source, uh, I really do enjoy a good cruise now and then. All right, so before we wrap things up, we know most of you are not going to hear us until after the Super Bowls happen, so you'll have a chance to laugh at how bad we are at predicting uh, sports ball, even though we like it. So, Circa, as of tonight, so this is the night before the game, says that uh, the 49ers are a two-point underdog, uh, so it's a pretty close point spread. Bill, who would you take? I I would take a plate of nachos, just not the nachos from Fontainebleau, because I, I watch a lot of college football. It looks to me like the teams are fairly close, and at a two-point spread, I I don't take it. Now, over under is 47 and a half. I can see a world where Mahomes does his thing, starts to score a lot. Brock Purdy actually has a good enough game to keep him in the game for a while. If you were to compel me to take a bet, I would take the over because I'm guessing 48 points wind up getting scored in this game. But I I would rather not do that, and I'm just not going to bet on who wins the game. How about you, John? So I definitely, I th- well, definitely. I mean, I think I think you know, defense wins championships, and and Super Bowls often have a habit of being lower scoring affairs than we might think based on the offenses going in. I do think I take the over. I probably put a small bet there. I got to say. Um, as much as I'd like to see the Niners win, just because where we live is uh, just a couple hours from Lubbock, Texas, and um, Texas Tech fans may be the most obnoxious college sports fans in America, uh, not just because they're obnoxious, but because they have no justification. I mean, Aggie fans, no disrespect, but y'all can be pretty obnoxious, but A&M has put some skins on the wall. Alabama fans, super obnoxious. They've got skins on the wall. LSU fans, all, you know, all of these sports teams, University of Kentucky fans, I lived in Kentucky for a while. They are horrible, but they've won a lot of basketball games. Texas Tech has no right to be as proud of sports as they are. All of these Chiefs fans around here didn't care about the Chiefs until Mahomes. I would love to see San Francisco win just to shut up the Mahomes. I think I got to pick the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, I mean, if you were to put a gun to my head, that would be what I would bet. Well, John, before we take out, go out, can I spend about 30 seconds talking about the trip I've got coming up next week and what that probably implies for the next episode of this podcast? Sure, let's give a preview to that because the next episode won't be all Vegas related, but it's going to be fun. Uh, you know what? I'm going to make it Vegas related, but I've got a kid who's looking to go into college in Ireland, so I'm going to spend a week from right now. I will be in Dublin a couple of days after that. I will be in cork i'm excited about that trip and on this podcast the next time you hear us we've spent a lot of time in the irish pubs in vegas we're going to talk about how authentic those irish pubs actually are 
That is assuming that you don't get murdered for wearing the orange t-shirt you have ordered while walking around on the Emerald Isle. But with that, Bill, why don't you tell everybody where to find us on the internets? You can find us on at Dine Drink Travel on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find us at Dine Drink Travel on Facebook and I think on Threads. We'd also love to, for you to find us on YouTube at Dine Drink Vegas and at Dine Drink Travel. And you can find me at Dine Drink John on Twitter, X, whatever it is. If you enjoy our handy work please share this podcast with anybody you know that also loves vegas we thank you so much for listening and until next time happy travels